Hello, everyone. How are we all? Good, good, good. That was so cool. All right, I'm just going to pray. Lord, tonight I just stand as a pillar of truth, Lord, a pillar to your truth and your word. And um, I submit myself, Lord, uh, to uh, your leading tonight. And I thank you that you have put this word on my heart, Lord, that you have um, been forming it within me, God. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that you have opened my eyes to uh, just the, the layers and the level of intimacy, God, with you. And I just praise you, God. And I, I only want you tonight, Lord. So I thank you for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. First, I just want to um, honor Greg, and I just want to thank him um, because he, he's not only just a senior leader of this house, but he's actually took, taken me and Kirk on an incredible journey of opening our eyes to things that uh, things of God that is so much fuller than, than I had ever realized and encouraging us along the whole way. And Greg, I just want to say it's an absolute privilege to sit under your leadership. And I've been so blessed in, in just the two years that we've been part of this. So I just really want to thank you and honor you tonight. So a couple of months ago, uh, Fights, this awesome uh, youth group here, part of The Rock. Um, is this all right? We, um, <laughs> yeah, give them a clap. They're awesome. <laughs> They're awesome. Just simply love them. And uh, we, we had a service, and uh, we had a theme. And the theme was, thank you, was bad taste. Bad taste, I know, right? So uh, we all got dressed up. Uh, in some seriously ridiculous, mismatched, 80s-inspired gear, I'm sure. And uh, we, yeah, we, we looked awesome, eh? It was, it was pretty good. We, we were as distasteful as possible, and we succeeded with excellence. Though I had to admit, there were some items that I was checking out that I was like, I would have worn that about a year ago. So it's, it's interesting to, to see what we perceive as bad taste, isn't it? Um, and so obviously I was thinking about what to wear. And uh, I thought, what is bad taste? What is bad taste? And uh, lukewarm Christian came to mind. And I was like, mm, that's, that's pretty nasty, you know? And so I was like, all right, good one, Holy Spirit. I'll, you know, I reckon that was the Spirit just you know, staring me up, having a bit of a giggle, you know, and so I thought, all right, that's what I'll dress up. So I, I got like a temperature gauge on my, on my back and um, we, I looked up what lukewarm uh, degree was and I can't remember what it is now, but anyway, and, uh, and so that was it. Um, but I also knew that I was down to speak that night and uh, so obviously the question is, God, what do you want me to speak on? Surprise, surprise, Revelation 3.16 It's not an easy verse to speak. And uh, so there was a bit of a nervous giggle with God. I was like, <laughs> you're having a laugh, you know. And uh, he's like, no, nah, do it. <laughs> and so um, that's what I'm going to be touching on. Um, because I reckon a lukewarm Christian is the worst taste in God's mouth 
to a point that it nauseates him and he warns us that it's going to be vomited out. And it's a church he's speaking to. See, Revelation, the book of Revelation at first was daunting because the God of Revelation 3.16 is not the God that I sort of was sold into or the God I got to know, who was the God of John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his son. Uh, For those who will believe, they will not perish but have eternal life. That is the God we know, the God of love, uh, unfailing love, unconditional, sacrificial, But I was about to find out that it's about, it's because of John 3.16 that we have Revelation 3.16. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you could turn to Revelation uh, 3, and we're going to go from 14 uh, to 18 tonight. 19, pardon me. I know your works what you are doing. You are neither cold nor hot, and how I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich, I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I'm in need of nothing. Yet you do not realize and understand that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to purchase from me gold refined and tested by fire, that you may be truly wealthy and have white clothes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nudity from being seen and solve to put on your eyes that you may see. Those whom I dearly love, I tell their faults and convict, convince and reprove and chasten them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent. And he was, like I said, talking to a church. He was talking to Christians. And at first, this terrified me. Because it's so easy to go, oh, that's for the lost. The lost are getting spat out because they didn't choose him. It's not. It's for us. And at the time, God was speaking to the church of Laodicea. And Laodicea was a rich, uh, well-off place. It had a banking center, and they manufactured a glossy black wool, uh, sort of woolen clothing, which, which made them financially secure and gave them a great reputation. They were also very proud of a medical school they had uh, that came up with a special ointment for sore eyes. Uh, so this place was self-sufficient, it was secure, it was satisfied, um, and it was, it was a happening place. Laodicea's water supply uh, was channeled from uh, some hot springs uh, just a distance away. And so the time these hot springs had reached the place of Laodicea, it had become tepid. And so another word for tepid is lukewarm. So we can wonder how a church of people who claim to be Christian can be distant or unresponsive or the words that describe lukewarm. I'll just give you a few. Aloof, apathetic, distant, emotionless, passionless, impersonal, unconcerned, undemonstrative, unenthusiastic, unmoved. 
The church feels or responds this way to a God who poured out his love, gave his heart, his only son Jesus, and the response of the church are those things. It's nauseating, isn't it? Just thinking about that. We wonder how this can happen. And uh, we can look at a lukewarm church today. And what it looks like is that day after day, being undemonstrative of the love and power of Jesus in their workplace, at university, at school. Is it to to a point where we're unable to lay hands for the sick? Is it by showing up late on a Sunday because we're more concerned with the routine of the day instead of the agenda of God? Are we coming with expectation that God will move? And when he does move, do we still sit unmoved, spectating from our seats? Is it being so inhospitable to the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus, that we wouldn't even know he's around? Have we become so passionless or reserved that we don't know how to share about the one who saved us? So impersonal that we have no time for fervent prayer? but all the time in the world for Facebook or internet or TV, whatever it is. So unstirred by his love that we can't forgive others who have hurt us, or even so much pride that we can't humble ourselves and simply say sorry. See, our lives, our entire lives are a response to Jesus. As Christians, that is our response, our response to John 3.16. Because when people meet Jesus, when they meet God face to face, if we look through the word, what were their responses? If we look in Luke um, about Zacchaeus, a a tax man, he was greedy and he was rich. And uh, one day he sees Jesus and his heart is tugged. His heart, there's something going on. So he was a short guy, apparently. And he climbed a tree uh, because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus is walking and he, he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to have dinner at yours tonight. They have dinner. And what happens? This is Zacchaeus' response. Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone, I will give back four times what is owed. Jesus just had dinner with the guy. But what has happened? The response has been stirred up. So much so that this crazy, extravagant, uh, generous heart has just come forth because he is stirred by this man. He is stirred by God, the face of kindness, the face of grace. He's awesome. (laughs) When we look in John 4, uh, the woman at the well, this lady had... Um, had five husbands. She had had five husbands. She was living with a man who wasn't her husband, and uh, it was a big no-no in society. And so she would sneak out at funny hours in the day when no one was around, just so that she would uh, not be condemned or scorned by the village, and she would go uh, draw water from this well. And so one day she's she's sneaking out. She um, meets Jesus. Jesus tells her the truth about her life, completely convicts her, totally convicts her. 
he talks to her about the truth about her life, uh, about her condition that she is in, and engages with her broken heart. She's convicted, yet she is so set free. Her heart swells with the name of Jesus. And what does she do? What is her response? She runs to the, the village that scorned her, and she, she evangelizes. She tells them face to face about the man that told her everything, this love that she encountered. She could do this face to face with a village that scorned her, told her she was worth nothing. It's the response of encountering the man of Jesus. She forgot her water bucket. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, wow, <laughs> all that way, and then you forget it. Even in Acts, uh, in Acts 3.9, we see a lame man, and he'd been lame all his life, and he's um, sitting there, and John and Peter, not even Jesus, just two ordinary men that got to hang out with him for three years. Walk past, and this man is, you know, is putting his hand out, he, he's asking for money, and John and Peter look to him and they say, look at me, I don't have gold or silver, but what I do have I give to you, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. This man leapt up, my word says he leapt up, that is his response to just the name of Jesus, not even the person of Jesus, the name of Jesus, a response just coming through by the Spirit of God. He walks away praising God. <laughs> when we meet Jesus, our lives are changed. Our lives become a response to the one and only God. When we meet Jesus, we cannot just sit. We are no longer lame. We leap, we dance, we move. When we meet Jesus, we cannot become mute. We praise his name and we evangelize. When we meet Jesus, we cannot stash and hoard money we are compelled to give, compelled to share freely. When we meet Jesus, we cannot not love others. That does not happen. When you meet him, when you encounter that love, you, it's, it comes out. When we meet Jesus, we are no longer weak, but we have his power and his hands to heal in his precious name. A love so amazing, so divine, it demands my, my life, my soul, my all. I love that. At times, you know, God, oh, he comes and he overwhelms me so much to a point that I, sometimes I get these red rashes. It's crazy. I know, right? But it's like I'm, I'm just totally like crazy in love with him and his presence. It just I'm totally moved by him. Totally moved by him. Jesus, it's all about him. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus, so that those who will believe will not perish but have eternal life. It is our response to John 3.16 that will determine whether we will be the church that hears the response from God in Revelation 3.16. And it's real for each one of us. It is the response of the lukewarm church that nauseates God. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And like I said, we can't write this off to non-Christians. It's not for them, it's for us. Us who are claiming that we know Christ. Us who are saying we have met him, that we have given our hearts to him. We've given our lives to him, our hand in marriage. For this very reason, we are now accountable in how we live our lives in response to our saviour, our king, our groom. Were we faithful and did our lives display a loyalty and reverence for him? We have heard from Sam about the judgment seat for Christians. As it says here, we will be judged on how we lived our lives in response to God's sacrifice, his only son, Jesus. No longer can I dismiss the book of Revelation because it contains our inheritance. It contains our prize. It's a revealing of Jesus Christ. And no longer can I find this verse unfair because if I have to think about um, when I gave my heart to Kirk, you know, when if, if I had given up everything in South Africa, everything I ever knew, to live a life with him here, and he turned around and he said, oh, well, I'll see if I can make room for you in my heart. I don't even know if I'll marry you. Can you imagine? That makes me sick to my stomach, thinking about it. So why is it any different? It's not. Why else does God find the lukewarm condition nauseating? Lukewarm is such a horrible state to be in because we get stuck between hot and cold and then are less likely to see our condition. Verse 17, you say I'm rich, I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I'm in need of nothing. Yet you do not realize and understand that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. God saw later Seer's true condition but they didn't see that. They saw themselves as successful, reputable, self-sufficient. They were self-satisfied. They were completely blind about their condition and numb to their need for God. They said they had everything, and God said they had nothing. They say they are rich. God says they're poor. They take pride in an ointment that helps sore eyes, yet God calls them blind. They were completely blind to their actual states, and actually too self-satisfied to care. And it's absolutely heart-wrenching to see your people that you love and adore, have sacrificed for, for them to turn around and go, look, look at me, I'm in need of, I am in no need of you. I'm self-satisfied with the things that, that rob me, the things that blind me. Like Laodicea, the lukewarm church looks good on the external. It values material things, all the things that make it look good, successful, and best of all, it is great at disguising its condition by being super busy, running around, looking active with a deactivated heart. But God knows what is done how it is done, and why it's done. We can do great things as a church. We can be generous. We can get a pat on the back from the world. But God will ask us all, in what did we do this in? In what heart? A heart that knows him, 
a heart that loves him with its whole heart, soul, mind, strength, an obedient heart that followed his leading. We hear Greg talk about lawlessness, this thing where we, we do things our own way, and we do not want to be the church that stands before Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. I did this in your name. And he says, I never knew you. I never told you to do those things. You didn't know me. You know, we can pretend like we're all good. We can show up on a Sunday service. We can go to every prayer meeting that exists. But are we present? Are we engaging with the one and only king? Because if we're not, what's the point? What's the point gathering? If it's, if it's not around Jesus and for one another to come together, united in one spirit, in one mind, to praise the name of Jesus, to be moved by him, to respond what we're hearing. If we've got a whole bunch of people gathered who didn't know God and the Holy Spirit showed up, I reckon there would be incredible conversions. But if we got a whole bunch of half-hearted people who were kind of blind to their condition and the Spirit showed up, it'd be hard work. C.H. Spurgeon once said, a lukewarm church looks like a church that doesn't oppose the gospel but doesn't defend it. A church that's not doing bad things but not doing great things either. It's neither hot or cold for holiness salvations, healing, or prayer. The church is not fiery enough or zealous enough to make Satan angry, not fervent enough to make themselves a living sacrifice upon the altar of their God. Not hot, not cold, just lukewarm. The lukewarm condition nauseates God because when the church says one thing and does another, we earn a reputation of being liars. We are his mouthpiece. We are his testimonies to the world. And we cannot represent a wholehearted God with a half-hearted attitude. He's not up for that. And he won't put up with that. Hence the warning of him vomiting out the lukewarm church, a separating from himself, because it's a bad taste in his mouth that he cannot hold. You know, it's a fact that lukewarm induces vomiting. You know, someone once said that anger is the fluid that love bleeds when it is cut. And I pray tonight that we will all see, including myself, I had to go through this and I was like wrecked, I tell you. But I pray that we will see this judgment and hear this warning of being spat out that it is to save us because he loves us. It's all because of love. He is love, but he is a just God. He is holy and he has integrity. And he calls us to be people that are completely set apart to him. Completely set apart to him. Verse 19. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince, reprove and chasten them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent. God will judge anything that gets in the way of its love. 
if it's our blindness, if it's our pride, our positions, if it's idols in our lives, he will convict and he will discipline us. If it is our wrong thinking, our apathetic, passionless, and impersonal attitude towards him, he will reprove and convict us. Sometimes we think love is not challenging. It is. It is challenging, but it's because of love. It's all because of love. He desires, to, he desires us to respond to, him, respond to him with our lives that display enthusiasm, that burn with zeal for him, hearts on fire that are so consumed by him that it repents the moment a hint of cold is splashed upon it. I know as people we experience disappointments, sometimes things or circumstances uh, that seem hopeless. We stop expecting great things. Uh, we, we, we get too scared to love outrageously or to trust with abandonment in case we get hurt or in case we get disappointed. If I get vulnerable, vulnerable, it means I have to expose my true condition. If I stop being busy just to be, then who am I? What am I? So it's in these times where it's like a hot, like a bucket of icy cold water that just gets splashed upon us. And what does it do? It cools the heat of our heart right down to tepid heat, lukewarm. And I know these things happen, but is it okay to stay there? I know we don't want to be a lukewarm church. I know that. So can we as people say, God, I've been hit with a splash of cold disappointments or hurt, and it might be cooling my heat right down. But you promise me, you promise, Lord, to convince me of your love by disciplining me so it will keep this heart aflame to you. Where there is warning of judgment, it is only to fan that flame into fire. It is not to put it out. In his word, in Matthew 12, 20, it says he's not quick to extinguish a flickering candle. He is not quick to put things out that are suffering. That is not his heart. But only we can go to him and be completely honest about how we are, completely honest about our condition, the state we're in, and be vulnerable. Only we can do that. Matthew 24:12 says that because of law, because of the lawlessness that abounds the love of many will grow cold. That saddens me so much. That 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 is what is happening. Christians hearts are growing cold because of what they the things they're seeing, the things they're experiencing. That God is committed to us. He is faithful to us and he wants to fan that flame, whether it is flicking or whether it's a consuming fire, that is his heart for us. And thank goodness. Can we say, I'm disappointed, hurt, hopeless, and I can't see clearly. I'm blind, naked, and poor. Father God, only you can feel that flame into a white, hot, consuming fire. And I come before you as I truly am. Run to him, not from him. This is repentance. Repentance is not this once-off prayer just to accept, into our, accept him into our hearts so that we get into heaven. 
No, it is a complete changing the way we think. It's him changing our attitude, changing our mind, thinking like he does, loving like he does. And it only comes by being with him. It only comes by being present and engaged with the king. Verse 18. Therefore I counsel you to purchase from me gold, refined and tested by fire, that you may be truly wealthy and, and have white clothes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nudity from being seen and solve to put on your eyes that you may see. Allow God to turn the head up. <laughs> Serious, this is a relationship. Our God is crazy for us. He has done everything to have us. Absolutely everything. So, let's, when we are in that place, let's start again as we first begun. Return to our first love. Remember our God when we first came to him, when we first bought gold from him, when we first got to know him. I, I remember that so clearly. When I first turned my heart back to him, I could not get enough of him. I, uh, I remember just feeling his presence so thick that I, I didn't want to be alone. I actually felt like so thick that he was just around me and I just couldn't be by myself. But just utterly in awe of him. I just wanted to know more about him. I was at every service you could think of. Anything that was happening at the church, I was there because I just wanted to be around his people and I just wanted to hear his word. And so I encourage us to go back to that, to think about our first love, get back into his word, get, get crazy in love with him, get passionate about him again. Spend your time on him, spend your heart on him, listen to him, please him and allow him to love you. Because when we experience the love of God, when we really experience it, we can't help but be that overcomes, absolutely, because love just does that. That's what it does. God is the gold. It's the purest, most valuable, and exquisite. He is the most exquisite being in the universe. And all we need is found in him. So the hot church, I'm wrapping it up here. So if I could just get the worship team back up. This is what God's been doing with us here for the last two years. Exactly this. He's turning the heat up. He's refining us as people. Lives are being refined. There's a purging that is happening. And can I, can I encourage us all as a body to allow God to turn this heat up, to become the hot church that he actually desires? Because the hot church has enthusiasm. Be early on, and on time for services. And come with the expectation, expectation that he'll move, expectation that he's going to transform and change lives. Do not leave with a, a heart that has been shut off from his word. As you know, we're going to be changing the word and the, the worship around. So get here early. Be here on time because we're going to hear the word of God and come expectant to say, God, you have something for me and I'm not leaving until I have it. Come with that. The hot church is praying fervently. Get to Mountain Movers this Tuesday. It, it's such an incredible night. It's turning into just this incredible night of presence, of his presence, and people just getting vulnerable and on their knees, repenting. Not because it's like repenting shame, but it's, God, I want to 
look like you. I want to see like you. I want to do what you do. That's this Tuesday, by the way, 7 p.m. BD. <laughs> the hot church is vulnerable and it repents and it fasts. Faith comes from hearing. So don't miss the messages that are pouring out. It will cha- these messages will change your life. I, I tell you, I can sit and listen to Greg for hours because I just want to hear. I just want to know more. I don't want to miss out on what Jesus has for us. He is our prize. We are his portion. I love those words. We don't want to miss out. So come and, and yawn about these messages. Get into a life group. If you are not part of a life group, get into a life group with people that are walking together, that are hearing these messages, discuss these questions. And if you don't understand, ask. The grace is there. The love is there. We are all walking under that. Contend for truth. It's the best thing. I love it. We do it in our life group all the time. The hot church has zeal. Get focused. What areas of of our walks do we need to go deeper in? If you're a new Christian, go to fuel. If you want to be learning more things and, and exploring more areas of God, get Ignite is coming up, which is a training arm. Get stuck in. Get totally amongst it. And also commit. Commit to the people around you. Commit to your leadership. They love you. We are here only to serve. Commit to the purpose of the body. I'm just going to finish with this. This was a prophetic word for New Zealand. And I want to read it because I believe that we are made to burn for our king. We are made for white hot holiness. I understand holiness now in such a different way. It's not about being perfect, but it's being about it's being set apart for Jesus, clinging to him, forsaking all else and just belonging to him. And it's through that intimacy that we become perfect because we become like the one we love. And I believe that The Rock, and I believe even New Zealand, has a, has an, a significant calling on the worldwide church. Your name is prophetic. There is a new zeal that will arise from the church in New Zealand. The zeal for the Lord and his purposes will help to bring conviction upon the worldwide body of Christ for her latency and spirit of lukewarmness. Just as the call to the Laodicean church was to be zealous, therefore repent, do not confuse this zeal with mere human enthusiasm. True zeal is a deep and focused commitment to the Lord and determination to do his will. Your zeal will be a new zeal. There is a freshness to it that will help to impart a zeal for new things that God is doing. The bride of Christ will be without spot or wrinkle. That she is without spot speaks of her purity, having been cleansed from sin. That she is without wrinkle speaks of her perpetual youthfulness. The Lord is restoring this new zeal to his church so that she might be restored to her youth and to her first love, which is in the essence of true zeal. Awesome. I'm just going to finish there. So thank you for listening. And um, I think
think we'll get into a song. And I'm here to pray with anyone who may just be feeling lukewarm, and it's, it's fine, it's fine, but we don't want to stay there. We want to get hot for Jesus, because he's hot for us. So um, I will be up here. There will be some other people that are happy to pray. Uh, but let's just enjoy him, and I'm going to end there. Thanks, guys.